0: Super Talk Mississippi media production. Find your new ride at Kia McCombs all new location at the corner of I-55 and Highway 98. Come find out why McCombs loves Kia McCombs at the corner of I-55 and Highway 98. Right on the corner. Right on the price.
1: This is Rebecca Turner and thank you for listening to the Good Things Podcast here on Super Talk Mississippi.
0: It's Mississippi's Radio Happy Hour.
2: But I'm going and- Mississippi here I come You're
0: listening to good things with Rebecca Turner well, I'm Mississippi,
2: Mississippi here I
0: come Bringing you the good stories of Mississippi's people places and things to do Now now Here's Rebecca
1: Good afternoon, Super Talk Mississippi. You're tuned into your radio happy hour. That's the good things. I'm your host, Rebecca Turner. And I don't forget you can listen to good things. We are streaming live over at Supertalk.fm. We're also streaming from the Super Talk Mississippi app. And of course, you can always find us too on your local Supertalk Mississippi radio station. And you can watch good things. We are on your computer or your mobile device. Just head on over to Super Talk TV. You'll see I'm not alone in the studio today, which always makes me happy on a Monday. I got a friend with me. I call him Bootstrap, but he's known as William Turner too. He is with the Mississippi. Mississippi food network which is helping to solve our hunger crisis here in mississippi so welcome bootstrap hello how do i okay so first because i i know you as bootstrap i've known you as bootstrap for almost seven years now how did you get the nickname
3: uh well i was an rotc in college and it kind of stuck uh pirates of the caribbean was big you know william turner and uh when i was an rotc at mississippi state uh that's just what they started calling me and it stuck
1: and it's stuck. Hey, you know what? There are worse ways to to get a nickname. And now that you say that, I was like, yeah, I know that Bootstrap Turner from somewhere. It never. I just didn't put pair it together with it being uh, Pirates of the Caribbean. But pretty cool. I mean, you are. How often do you see an actual William Turner? So That's I can right. see where that where that stuck. Okay. So you're fixing to celebrate your seven year anniversary with the Mississippi Food Network, which is a, a long time in that sort of space and genre. I feel like most folks should know who Mississippi Food Network is, but sadly not everybody does. So. So how do you explain Bootstrap to people what the organization does?
3: Well, our primary purpose is to um, alleviate hunger-related poverty in, in Mississippi. Uh, we manage uh, donations uh, for Feeding America uh, for 56 counties. Uh, we're actually the only food bank that's located inside the state of Mississippi. Um We have such a um, huge service area, but we have roughly 600,000 people that go to bed not knowing where their food is going to come from from day to day. Um, We do our best to make sure that uh, people have the opportunity to have something to eat.
1: And when you think about when you say the only um, food bank, folks may go, uh-uh, there's one in my neighborhood, in my neighborhood, and you're absolutely right, but the Food Network is like the hub. Yeah. It sort of comes in and then disperses out its uh, its food and, and um, donations to uh, member agencies. So, you know, using the terminology is sort of the same, but they help supply your food banks mm-hmm. in your local community, or they should, and if not, they need to get connected uh, with those that are doing that. How many member agencies do does the Food Network have?
3: ish 430 I do believe is the number that we're looking at uh Mm -hmm. it's in that but that includes uh churches uh food pantries that includes soup kitchens group homes uh disaster agencies um you know there are a lot of different people who have the ability to do different things uh in every community um a church may be able to serve a certain amount of people because they have so many volunteers um so they they handle that um You know, uh, you also have uh, like soup kitchens that may serve ten, fifteen thousand 15,000 meals a month, you know, cooked, you know, hot meals to people. So it varies from, uh, you know, from – from, from agency cr- cr- to agency from agency, yeah. to agency yeah. and
1: they know their communities best that's right and even the the organizations who who run and they may want to run the way that they administer their ministry of giving food however they want to not everybody has the ability to cook meals mm-hmm. and then some folks just don't want to that's right that's true. <laughs> and then others recognize that they would be best served by giving out boxes or fresh food or, or or all of that you have an interesting i guess position there though at the food network you like rescue food is sort of the way i mm-hmm. i sort of look at it we've had society st andrew's on before a bootstrap that goes out and actually rescues the fresh vegetables literally from you know the fields from the farmers they
3: glean straight they glean
1: yes so you're a little bit different explain kind of your job there at the network
3: well my primary role is a food sourcing manager um Basically what I do is I work with uh, partner organizations that are partnered with Feeding America like Walmart and Kroger and Sam's Club and Aldi and Dollar General uh, and uh, – did I say Kroger already? Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, you know, and I work with these groups to uh, rescue food that would have otherwise be sent to – organics or rendering and if it's handled in a certain way and handled properly we can get it to our member agencies and they can distribute it because it's going to be able to be utilized fast enough um, before it's actually bad you know because a store's idea of bad might not just be pretty it's just not pretty enough to be next to the the net the, pe- the piece that's not pretty if that makes sense yeah. uh if you've got a bell pepper that's got a few wrinkles on it It's not going to sell next to the one that's perfectly crisp and nice and everything like that. But there's nothing wrong with the product. Um, It's food that's at the end of its life. Um, But it's food that we're able to move quickly um, because our agencies are able to do so.
1: And you do this through, I guess, building these relationships throughout the state with mm-hmm. these retailers. Yes, right. And you're doing them a favor in a way by mm-hmm. getting rid of it without it just going to the trash.
3: Well, as soon as it goes to organics or rendering, rendering is for uh, animal products. Uh, organics is usually what they call it for uh, plant based items. Um, those are very labor intensive. They're very expensive pro- uh, poly- uh, programs for these stores. So when you know, if you can save a store. 50 60, 70 thousand dollars a year that's an employee mm-hmm. you know or two or bonuses or lots of things that the store's bottom line that's just cut right off why because we're able to pick it up for free um that and that right there and our agencies are willing to do that um you know we've had since we first started the program back in 2000 and it was seven years ago. <laughs> Math is hard, but yeah, it
1: would be yeah. Yeah. Don't, it's don't, don't me... 2006 to no, yeah, 2017. Yeah, oh. yeah 16. 16. Uh,
3: 16. You were there when I was hired uh, um, The uh, uh, on the board. Um, so you're one of the reasons I have a job. Uh, <laughs> you're welcome. <laughs> yeah, thank you very much. I appreciate <laughs> it. Um, we, were, we were accounting for about 1.2 million pounds of food. Now uh, the program has grown to where we're accounting for about close to 6 million uh, pounds of rescued food every year. So, you know, if you do the math on 6 million, you're looking at about, what, 5.2 million meals provided to the, to the community that would have otherwise been landfilled.
1: Right, so. which is sad, which it goes back to, um, you know, it's just sort of like a system thing. You would think that a better system would be put in place. But sadly, when you're thinking about something that large, there's just room for gray area. And mm-hmm. so when you can come in and kind of help and connect those dots, then the food at least doesn't get wasted or doesn't just get thrown out. It can be utilized for those that need it best. To me, it's coming full circle. That's right. Is allowing it to sort of come full circle. You mentioned bootstrap whenever you – so like – so do you sit and when you get a call from like one of your retailers, is it like how quick is the pickup versus to the delivery of the food sort of ish?
3: Well, um, what I do is I'm kind of an intermediary is I work as a go between between the agency that's on the foot, that's on the ground. That's the one that's actually serving the community and the store and the food bank. So what I'll do is, is I'll set up a, a local agency with a Walmart or with a Kroger or a Sam's Club, Aldi, one of these stores, and they will set themselves up on a schedule to so where they go and they pick up. And uh, every month, um, these agencies have distribution days. They also do emergency boxes and things of that nature. Um, if you get a, a whole bunch of bananas, something like that might need to move quickly. So the agencies know who their clientele are, who they're, who they're serving, so they know who would want these things and they're able to move it faster. Um, we used to actually send our trucks to a lot of these stores to pick up, and we ended up throwing away as much as we were distributing out of the distribution center.
1: Because time is time is time, valuable.
3: Time is valuable on this, especially home.
1: with with um, perishable goods. Yes,
3: yeah, and that's actually where we focus. Uh, we don't really focus as much on dry goods as we used to. Um, we focus on things like uh, meat products, dairy. Bakery items, fresh produce. Uh, These are the things we're trying to rescue because, you know, once they hit their their shelf life, it's time for them to go. And there's two choices. One, you can throw it away or two, you can donate it. And then the agency will glean through it again to make sure that it's still – Product, safe yeah still safe and because all of our agencies have to go through food safety training
1: and then you got to imagine the people on the other end who have the opportunity when they've fallen on hard times or maybe whatever their struggle may be to actually be able to turn around and give their kids or their families or be of, of elderly um, age to actually get a, a warm hot meal versus mm-hmm. you know not one that come from a box or, or one one that you would want to serve
3: your family that's right yeah. well i mean imagine you get uh, a store donate some pizzas some frozen pizzas the child at the home doesn't understand why he or she cannot have a pizza night like the rest of the kids. But if the parent is able to provide a pizza night, it's more than just food on the table. You know, there's it's it hits deeper than that.
1: It's a little bit of normalcy. That's right. It sort of provides that opportunity for everybody. And I think those are the kinds of stories that we need to hear whenever we see opportunities support the Mississippi Food Network, especially as we come up around the holidays. I know there will be a lot of options to give turkeys and give back in that way. So we'll keep this conversation going with uh, William Turner, Bootstrap, coming up next. Oh, my So, not forget you can watch us we are on computer your mobile device just head on over to super talk tv and to let you know too middays with jar gibber we'll be at the com university in columbus on wednesday did i get it right rhino
2: come university come university
1: i still didn't get it right <laughs> they'll be promoting the forge your career expo as the else you say it Communiversity. Communiversity. Y'all, I will get it before Wednesday. It continues to educate and prepare students for high paying career opportunities. And then on Thursday you got the Gallo Show with guest host Solution Smith. He will be at Mississippi Coliseum for MEC's annual Hop Knob event on Thursday. You'll hear from candidates running for statewide offices plus business leaders and more. If you want to help celebrate the 75th year of MEC Hop Knob, just go register at MEC.MS. But we're continuing our conversation with William Turner. He goes by Bootstrap at the Mississippi Food Network, which um, helps to serve 56 counties, as you mentioned, here in Mississippi to help bridge that gap um, and to help alleviate, you said, food related um, poverty, or I guess poverty, or, or hunger related to poverty. You hear the word food insecurity a lot, uh, Bootstrap. How do you guys define that, or how do you help people better understand the difference between hunger and then food insecurity?
3: Food insecurity is uh, basically... Not knowing where your meal could come from. A lot of people are just one paycheck away from not knowing where their meals are going to come from. So if this, I like to use this as a as a, as a point of reference. If um, If you're a hard worker and you go to work every week, but something happens to your car, and then all of a sudden you have to pay your entire paycheck to get whatever it is fixed so you can go to work, well, what do you do then? At that point, you've become food insecure. You were actually food insecure beforehand,
1: because so it was so fragile.
3: It was very fragile, so and that's that's how I personally kind of look at it. Um, there's probably a a, a, a fancier definition nope, out there. I think that's a good one. But uh, but you know it's it's basically a fragility that's there that you don't know is there until it happens.
1: And then you want to make sure that they have somewhere to go to sort of help bridge that gap. Mm-hmm. I think that's what folks also need to, you know, better understand that it's not like a, a continuous monthly sort of support system. It's really, it's just those sort of emergency um, opportunities mm-hmm. or emergency moments uh, within families who just need need that help. Again, bridging sort of that gap sort of through it. And you'll do that through a variety of different programs. I know you were talking about your uh, program where you help rescue the food from the retailer stores. But what are some of the other ways that the food network through their um strategic programming helps with that throughout the state
3: well we also have uh you know we work closely with the usda we um so we have um, we have csop um which are the senior boxes that a lot of people have heard about and they just call them senior boxes um but we also do backpack programs uh we do summer feeding um through our programs department um and there's several other things we also have um external affairs where they do things like this. This is normally not my, not my, not my thing, but I'm here. (laughs) Um, but, and it's actually kind of fun. Um,
1: we don't buy, But
3: we, we do public events uh, like uh, next month. We have the Turkey Drive on the 16th. Which is a
1: huge event, which that's I think right. most folks will be starting to hear about throughout the state. There will be different opportunities to help support that. And that's a big deal every year. There's a lot of family as well as organizations that, that bank on folks participating in mm-hmm. Turkey Drives. How does that work?
3: Well, uh, we're going to be set up at uh, four different locations this year. We're going to be set up at uh, Clinton Kroger, 55, 51, and uh, Spillway. Uh, all Kroger locations, because they're, they're Kroger is a huge partner with us. Uh, they do a lot for the food bank. Um, we'll have trucks there. People can go in, buy a turkey, um, then bring it to us. But you know, if you don't, if you don't want to spend you know twenty thirty dollars on a turkey or however much they are this year, depending on what they are, you know, we take canned goods. We'll take ramen noodles and everything in between. You know, because we can turn around and still utilize it and get it to our agencies. Uh, So, I mean, but we'll be there all day from sunrise to sundown. Uh, It's usually from 6 a.m. to 7 Uh, p.m. It's a fun day. Oh, yeah, it, it is. It's a lot of fun
1: and you get to know that you sort of helped to, again you use that you know you use this story um, this off of like the child who maybe sees other friends having their pizza nights and to us that seems silly right like mm-hmm. but we don't well you forget what it's like to be a seven eight year old nine year old uh, who gets excited about you know Friday night pizza which parents know now that your parents were just really tired by the end of the week and so they just gave you pizza on That's Friday because right. they didn't want to have to cook anything but kids get really excited about it so it's a win-win but it's kind of the same thing with the turkey right i mean you you see all the um, um media or you just sort of hear all the hype about thanksgiving and it's a turkey with all the trimmings movies but if you, but it, if you grow up there. and you never have one you may feel like you know there's an opportunity there to create memories and and feed which i think are two two really good That's things right. um, with that
3: you know a lot of times uh, people will bring us a uh, you know a bag but it'll be like everything that you'd have on the table, uh, whether it be stovetop or some kind of stuffing mix, uh, be some gravy. Uh, there'd be some can, you know, some canned vegetables, uh, and then they'll buy a turkey. And that basically, it's a prepackaged box for Thanksgiving dinner, or Christmas. You know, I mean, th- those things are needed then as well. Um, but, you know, like I said, we'll take everything in between. Um, but people, uh, we'll also take a monetary donations. So this year, I think what they're doing is they're going to have these laminated cards where people can scan with their phones and uh, do a donation that way. Uh, so it's going to be that's something new we're doing. Um, you know, Stacy, the, the Stacy, Stacy Kane, and Stacy Joyner, that's something they came up with uh, for this year. So that's, that's going to be new. Um, but yeah, we'll have volunteers from. All walks of life, all organizations will come. We usually have people from various uh, radio shows come. We also have people from, uh, we usually have uh, folks from Nissan.
0: Uh, the whole
1: community gets involved because yeah. it's a big deal, and it and it feels good to sort of give back, particularly around you know the holidays. Bistro, you've been with the Mississippi Food Network for seven years now. What are some of the biggest like misconceptions you wish other people better understood about the organization, but then also about the people that they serve?
3: Well, I mean, ultimately, the people that we serve, we it trickles down from from us to the final client. We supply our food to the individual agencies so that they can supply the foods to the communities because, like you said earlier, they know their communities better than we do. Um, we just have the ability to move more product So if we buy an 18-wheeler full of mac and cheese, for instance, we can take that and get it to all of our agencies or until we run out, and then they can get it to the families that are in need. Um, So a lot of people think food bank versus uh, food pantry. They're two totally different things. Um, Like we're moving 24, 25 million pounds. The height of the pandemic, it was closer to 40 million pounds of food. And pantries help a certain number of families every month. So, in those families, let's say if you help fifty families a month, well, those families could be five hundred people. So it's uh, so it's a little different. Um, you know, we look at the the big picture and we help them support their their communities.
1: It can be tough work being on the front lines or being in the trenches when it comes to work like this. Bootstrap, what keeps you there?
3: Um, I drank the Kool Aid. Uh, Literally, I mean, I love what I do. I mean, I I get to try and make sure that I give help somebody get a meal that didn't get one yesterday. Um, The fact that we've been able to grow the program that I work in from from point A to point B uh, to to 1 million pounds roughly to almost 6 million pounds of food, that right there is just – that's food that was just going to waste and should not have been to begin with.
1: To me, that's smart. That's smart thinking. That's smart doing. That's everybody working together. So foods doesn't fall through the cracks, because I think people would be, you know, appalled to hear at the number of wastes that we Mm -hmm. have in this country, which to me, it's just better organization, a little bit more strategic thinking partnerships. Mm -hmm. So then that food can be better utilized for for individuals and families who who need it. I mean, why not? right that's like right. Why, like, really why not why it's a not win-win be, it's a win-win um in that situation okay if people want to learn more about mississippi food network bootstrap how do they do that
3: uh they could look us up online at msfoodnet.org um and there's going to be a lot of information in there if someone uh, is in need of services and they're looking for a pantry that's close by there's a pantry finder on there you just plug in your uh your zip code uh that was a something that was uh, done in partnership with uh, Mississippi State's Extension Service. Uh, it's been very helpful mm-hmm. um, for a lot of for for, for a lot of families. Um, you know, so I mean, they don't necessarily have to call us. They can just go. Here's a pantry, and here's when they're going to be doing their distribution. I can go. Um, you know, it's just uh, that's that's the easiest way. Or they could just give look up our phone number and give us a call. We're also available on Facebook and stuff like that.
1: Just at least be curious about them. That's what I always say. If this is your first time hearing about them, at least Google them. Sort of see what they're up to. Get to mm-hmm. know it. Um, also, if you're you're already connected to one of your pantries within your community, that's great because then you're even on the more front lines and that's just right. know that there is a great big sort of a system that's doing their best every day to make sure that those pantries stay uh, or food banks stay um, stocked and loaded and even in mm-hmm. the holidays. Well, bootstrap. Congratulations on seven years at the Food Network. Thank you. Here's to seven more. It's also tomorrow's your birthday. So happy birthday, buddy. That's right.
3: Thank you. Thank All righty. You,
1: you guys stick with us, though. We got more for you coming up next.
3: Okay. <laughs>
0: Well, my from slab began Welcome
1: back to Good Things. Suddenly, Don't forget, we're streaming live ever at supertalk.fm. We're also streaming from the Super Talk Mississippi app. You can always find us, too, on your local Supertalk Mississippi radio station. And you can find so many fun things doing in your local communities, one of them being in the central Mississippi area for their annual Park After Dark. We've got Nicole Smith with the Mississippi Museum of Natural Science here to tell about this fun and ever-popular event. Hey, Nicole. Hey, Rebecca. (laughs) We're back here at the spooky season. Can you believe it?
4: I can believe it. It feels like a hauntingly good time is on the horizon.
1: (laughs) (laughs) You practiced that,
4: didn't you? (laughs) Yeah, a little bit. Lately, I didn't. It's just naturally there. That's the scary part.
1: That is the scary part. But you guys do a really good job this time of year. Of bringing all, well, You do a really good job throughout the year of allowing all the museums, the great museums coming together to give an um, extraordinary experience for families. But one is during uh, this time of year, too, the Park After Dark. So tell us about that.
4: So this is an event where we, it's kind of our version of, Night at the museum, uh, where everything comes to life at night, right? So um, we partner with our friends, the Children's Museum, and we try to make it one special night. One ticket, two museums, this one special night. And uh, every year we pick a different theme. At our museum this year, the theme is uh, classic movie monsters. So we've built a Frankenstein's lab. <laughs> <laughs> and there cool. there are going to be some electricity experiments happening there too, uh to bring the bring the candy loving monster to life, but that's gonna be fun. Uh we'll have a sea witch uh there on our site too, and you can have a selfie with the sea witch, because why wouldn't you want that? That would be great. And uh and the mummy has a curse and the only way to avoid it is to conduct a proper archaeology excavation. So we're having fun with that. Um <laughs> Our friends at children 's museum they 're also going to have several great activities they 're going to have a disappearing ghost experiment and have some dry ice bubbles and some creepy crawly crafts uh, so everybody does something really fun for that and the spotter the otter trail, which connects the two museums, is open and so it 's a safer way of walking between the museums so that's that's really nice um. We just have a lot of fun preparing for it. We enjoy this event so much.
1: Well, I think it's a lot of fun. Are costumes encouraged by families?
4: Oh, yes, absolutely. In fact, uh, there is a small costume competition, but it's kind of informal. You, uh, you won't even just walk around, enjoy the event, and there's some, uh, quiet judges walking around. And if they give you a special type of sticker, that, that means something at a certain time of the evening. So you'll, uh, you know, it kind of goes down that way. <laughs> uh, at the end of the night, uh, around 8 o'clock, we're, uh, having Zumba with the zombies in the den which is uh, the big performance space that's um, near the playground. So it's uh, it's kind of you know grown as an event, and uh, we do have free parking at both museums, and law enforcement will direct parking. Uh, and overflow parking is going to be available in the northbound lane of Museum Boulevard. Uh, in years past, we've had some of that over at Smith Wills, but we weren't able to acquire that this year. So we're trying some new things with traffic management, with uh, law enforcement, along Museum Boulevard. So I think that's going to be good. Bring your trick-or-treat bag and flashlight or two, and you can get tickets in advance or uh, up until Wednesday of this week, or you can get them at the door at either one of the museums. I
1: love that it's kind of um, compact between five thirty and eight thirty. Three hours is just long enough to to have your kids, and maybe if you can come a little bit later, not right on the dot at five thirty, but eight thirty is that nice kind of rounded out kind of time, so you can get home and get you know everyone back in bed before sort of midnight. So it's and it's not like an all day come and go. Like I like that you'll have it kind of nestled right there in those those fun hours.
4: it's a good it's a good time frame for families. Uh, you know, and actually, it takes. Us, uh, you know, as a staff, it takes uh, two weeks to really, really decorate for this event, like in earnest. So we've uh, transformed our uh, education hallway into an Egyptian pharaoh's tomb right now. <laughs> uh, we've been haunting the aquarium. So, it, so we really, you know, we go up until the last minute to make it really look beautiful and, uh, and make it feel special, make it feel like you're coming and doing something different that night.
1: I'm on your Facebook page, Nicole, the Mississippi Museum of Natural Science, not to a personal one, and I see the uh, picture with Frankenstein. So tell me about the electricity, um, I guess, uh, experiments you get to do. That sounds fun. <laughs> Scary, oh, but so fun.
4: Cool. So we did make it look a little bit like Frankenstein's lab, and he's a friend, a kinder, gentler monster. Uh, he's <laughs> He really, instead of wanting to uh, get into trouble, he really just wants candy. <laughs> Don't they that? And we do have Dr. Frankenstein there bringing him to life. But right next to him is MSU, their, uh, their uh, high-voltage experiment lab. They have uh some really neat demonstrations that are child-friendly, and they will be bringing those to showcase. So, yes, it's Frankenstein as a Halloween thing, but on the side there's this electricity uh, demonstration. So they're probably going to have a small-scale uh, Van de Graaff generator, um, things like that. So it's it's going to be it's really playful. I'm, I'm most excited uh, about them, and and well, actually, because I'm an archaeologist by training, I'm really excited about the um, Department of Archives and History because they're going to do a little archaeological thing that's related to mummies. Uh, I think they might be mummifying Barbie. I'll have to double check, but I think it's going to be.
1: Oh my god! I think that needs to be a take-home activity, Nicole, on y'all's website. I feel like I've got a I've got some kids at home that would find that to be a lot of fun have to
4: mummify Barbie. Yeah, yes. I mean, it's a year Barbie. I mean, you should go ahead and mummify her. She's all into it. She's fun. Uh-
1: I think that would be a lot of fun. I mean, maybe maybe I'm just a little morbid and over Barbie and ready to put her away, but, but I think that would be. I, I mean, she's 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 an archaeologist.
4: She's very cool. She is, <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, it's, it's so neat to see all the people that come out. Poison Control comes to this every year, and they do a thing about responsible candy choices and healthy choices and safety choices, too. But they also bring a game. You know, and that's—I'm just speaking right now from our side of things, you know, because I know that more intimately. Um, but it's—it's it's such a—we, my whole staff looks forward to this event every year, and it just has a like last year our theme was aliens. So we, because we had the NASA exhibit, we leaned in really hard to all things spacey. We had a crash spaceship on the lawn, and lots of aliens from across the universe, well, I <laughs> Marvel think universe, all of them. Uh, just kind of filling the, the building and this year because we have um Permian monsters we went with classic movie monsters and uh I, I understand that there will be a creature from a black lagoon at some point. There is a scavenger hunt for an invisible man, which you know, that one's tough. That is tough. That's... <laughs> <laughs> so we have we have a good time with it. Um it's twelve dollars a person and uh that includes that's you know parking's included with that. Um Nicole, and, it and, is but, National
1: um, Horror Movie Day, so since that goes along with your theme, what's your favorite horror movie? Oh, wow, that's really tough. Or a favorite, because sometimes mm. the wording your favorite can throw you off, but a favorite. Well,
4: well, truly, I don't like really scary things. I, I am not a scary person, but I think one of my, my favorite a little bit scary movies uh, is probably Sleepy Hollow. That's good. Yeah. It's allowed to be, yeah. It's a a little scary, but, you know, a classic Washington Irving story brought to life on the screen, not bad. Not Not bad. bad.
1: You know what's not scary is this adorable bear that you guys have up to name on your Facebook page, the new Black Bear Sculpture at the playground. If folks want to go and name it, I see that they've got until Sunday afternoon. What's his story?
4: Oh, uh, this is so cool. So um, Dayton Scroggins is this amazing uh, chainsaw artist. And he uh, actually did, I don't know if you've ever been driving on Museum Boulevard, and you've seen that sculpture, the one that kind of represents the district with the bear, you know, the Mm -hmm. bear that's out there. This is the same artist. Um, So we had some trees that had some attrition that had to come down. And um, we wanted to do something more meaningful with it. And so um, they hired this artist to come and make a sculpture out of the tree and this is also the year of kind of bringing back the great delta bear fair and so you know we kind of work with that community too and so um, there's, you know, little connections there.
1: <laughs> well, I just shared it in our Good Things Facebook group, so I encourage everyone to go get your kids to look at it um, after school because there's a chance to, to for him to be named after whatever you choose. Some people have said Louie, uh, Terry, Bo, Onward. There's Bonzi. There's a lot of cute names there, so give your kids something fun to do and throw their, I guess, their name in the hat to be able to, to name the bear. So I think I it's fun, like you titty, guys. But
4: that's just how I am.
1: Yeah, I think it's fun. You like. <laughs> Let the guy, let everybody have their chance of of naming the bear when they get to come to the. Even if their name's not picked, when they come to the museum and visit, they're gonna. The kids are gonna think it's named whatever they came up with. So, all right, Nicole, I appreciate you, and uh, best of luck this weekend for a good turnout and great weather. Thank you so much. All right, you guys stick with us. We'll wrap up. Good things coming up next.
0: A zombie Jumbo, back back to 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 back to back back to back belly to belly, well I don't give A zombie back to back belly to belly, a jamboree. back to back belly to belly, belly to well to back to back back to back to A zombie jamboree
2: Welcome back to Good Things.
1: Don't forget we're streaming live over at supertalk.fm. You can also find us on your computer, your mobile device on Supertalk TV. This is well played, Rhino. Well played. For the National Day, Swallows Depart from San Juan. I'm not going to be able to say that name. Capistrano. Capistrano Day. And there's a song for that. What in the heck were we listening to, and what is this day all about?
2: Uh, That was a 50s cover of a 40s song, When the Swallows Come Back to Capistrano, and I believe that was Pat Boone. I want to say it was Glenn Miller or Bing Crosby or somebody in the 40s that originally produced it or sang it, but I was exposed to it, like I was exposed to many songs before my time, from Married Melodies. The Warner Brothers cartoon series where it was the Swallows coming back to Capistrano and they had the song playing and everything. But it's like four or five minutes long cartoon for my childhood. And when I was looking at the different days that are being celebrated today, I was like, wait a second. I know that name Capistrano. Why does that ring a bell?
1: There you go. There's a song for that. But you know what? That would probably be a really cool sight to see. Like, oh, if you yeah. were there to actually see them, like, take flight or sort of. Flee? I
2: mean, people, because it's out in California, in Southern California, San Juan Capistrano. And even before America was here, people that lived in the southwest United States were able to mark the calendar on when the swallows left, when they flew south for the winter. That's really cool. And when they came back.
1: You know, that I would love to see. Now that I know more about it, and then it's at the Monarch Butterflies. We should ask Nicole. I should have kept Nicole on for that. Um, but they have their big migration, too, that they're like, the it's like a big swarm of them that go. And I obviously don't really know my routes for that. But But I do know that if you're lucky enough and you're in that path, then you get to see them sort of do their thing in the air, which I think would be extraordinarily beautiful. And creepy
2: well All I mean usually time. you see butterflies you see at most a handful of them at a time so anytime you get to see hundreds or thousands or multiples of thousands of them yeah it'd be pretty special
1: that would be the only other thing I can think of that swarms like that big is bats and so that would be that would be a lot of fun Um you know, I know. I guess you have your your birds that do the V and sort of. but Is there anything else that like really? Uh, well, you had your hummingbirds, but do they? I know they're all they were all migrating, obviously. But do they all migrate in big swarms like that, or is it more of just they're all headed there? And I don't do think hummingbirds t- swarm. Right, uh, I think it's a fish swarm. I know fish can swarm. Then you say that word enough. School of fish. School of fish. They don't swarm. the swarms in the air, but still, they swarm together to swim. Right? Like, I mean, they all gather. In a big crowd, and then move, and and then I guess I guess land animals, it's herds. Look at us having our science. Is science is considered? Yeah, I guess a little bit, a yeah. little bit considered or national. Poor Nicole, she's I mean, probably the, listening, the going, "You should have left me on, Rebecca." <laughs> <laughs> We're having a little refresher course today. I, I think it's a good thing.
2: Yeah, schools of fish are known to swarm to protect themselves from larger predators.
1: Well, I think it's really cool because they'll get together and be like, hey, look at me. I'm bigger than you, but really I'm not. I'm a bunch of little ones. just look bigger. I just look bigger, um, and that's neat. Then the whale
2: comes along and goes, ooh, a
1: buffet. <laughs> pretty much. Um, and Derek said, if your show can swarm, if you – it's your show. Fish can swarm if you want them to. They you, Derek and Greenwood. I appreciate that. Um, my daughter's next science project, she had to do the cell, uh, create a cell. And now she is having to do a biome. So she picked um, the grasslands. So it's where you take a shoebox and then you get the animals and you, you display a a scene. And then you have to, you know, and I'm at parents are supposed to look like the kid did it. So I'm very on point with that. I'm not going to hop in and, and sort of really help. But we've had some tough discussions on what scenarios we should we should display because she i I did get like the little um the little plastic all the all the all the safari sort of grass animals oh yeah and so we can't decide if we want to go peaceful with our with our setup
2: lion i say
1: we it's her
2: or planet earth
1: (laughs) which route or we wanting to, or
2: we want to get. or the lion chases the gazelle.
1: <laughs> and we have different ideas on. I mean, it's her project; she gets to, she totally gets to decide. But I think there's room. I mean, it's a decent size she shoebox. There could be room for 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 all of it. You know, I didn't even think about it. I wonder. I wonder if we've got the right stuff. If we could do the Lion King, like holding up. So I wonder if she would get. I wonder if that would pass. If we could have the, what was the monkey's name? Rafiki. Holding up the little, if we could. How did I remember it? that? I have no idea. I have absolutely no idea. <laughs> but we have warthogs. They're in our, we have a warthog. We don't have multiples of anything, but. We'll have to keep you posted on how all that how that turns out. All right, stick with us. You get more coming up next. You get the boys with Sports Talk from 3 to 6. Rhino and I will meet you back here tomorrow at 2. But until then, I hope you all find time for the good things.